my friends. Welcome to the Real Live Film Podcast. I am your host, Connor Rock. I am normally joined by my co-host every week, Justin Lozada. He is off this week. We've had some difficulty kind of meeting in the middle with schedule, and I take full responsibility for that. I've been really, you know, it's just been really difficult with everything going on to find time to record. And so I apologize, but he will be back here shortly. But I am really excited to talk to you guys about this week's episode and kind of my idea for it, because this is a little bit different than the episodes I've done in the past. This week, I wanted to talk about my all-time favorite comfort movies. And there's some fun and unexpected twists in this list, but I am really excited to get into this with you guys. Before we do that, I wanted to take this time, as always, to thank all of my Patreon supporters. If you guys aren't aware, Patreon is a place where you can support any creator that creates anything from YouTube videos to podcasts to poetry to even, you know, a painter or any form of artist, really, you can support them on Patreon. You'll find thousands of different artists there. I myself am on Patreon as of a couple months ago, and I actually have some wonderful patrons, some wonderful supporters, and I wanted to thank them all and just say how important they are to me and how how much their support means to me, especially in a time where I've really struggled to create enough content for you guys. And I feel really guilty about that. I feel really guilty that I haven't been really producing as many podcasts as I would hope to. And to be honest, and I, I always aim and hope to be really honest on this podcast, it's been really hard because I have such a high expectation of myself and the show that sitting down to record, I feel like I would just be letting myself down if I sat down to record because it wouldn't be up to my standard of quality for myself. But, you know, it's time to just get over that. So anyway, I also wanted to take this time to thank two patrons in particular. The patrons at the highest tier on my Patreon will always be thanked by name on the podcast each and every week. So this week I wanted to thank my two patrons at the highest tier, and they are Doug Shoemaker and Jordan Rock. And I just wanted you guys to know just how amazing you both are. These two are both amazing human beings. I know them both personally. Jordan Rock is my brother, and Doug is a great friend. And they are truly kind and caring and loving, and your guys' support means more than words could ever describe. So thank you so, so much. To support me at Patreon, you can do so at patreon.com slash Rock. And I'll also put that link down in the show notes of this podcast to make it really convenient for you. Now that that's out of the way, let's get to the meat and potatoes of this episode. And first, I wanted to talk about something. So I actually recorded a whole entire podcast episode of this very topic just last week. I recorded it all. I had edited it. I'd added everything in. And it was actually a podcast I was really, really excited about. And then my computer deleted it. And let me tell you, that was the worst, worst day. It was so awful. As anyone that's ever created something that they're really proud of can attest to, you know, if you're a painter and, and you know, somehow in some way your art gets ruined, that's how it felt. And it, it was just devastating. And so I've taken this last week to kind of gather myself again. And I think at a time, there was a time where I, I wasn't certain if I was going to do this idea for a podcast or I was going to just do something else entirely. And I ended up deciding that I was just going to do this podcast. I was going to make it right and just, I think, for my own well-being, make sure that I try my best to, I guess, capture the magic that I saw in that last episode of the podcast. So we'll see if I do that. Um, you guys be the judge. So the first movie that I wanted to talk about when I talk about my favorite comfort movies, they're actually, it's a pair of movies that I wanted to talk about. It's, and this is going to be really unexpected and I hope is a bit of a, a left 
kind of a left curve and a, a bit of a you know unexpected turn here. And it's two horror movies, and they are Happy Death Day 1 and Happy Death Day to You. Oh, hey, you're up. Am I in a dorm room? Yeah, I folded your pants for you. Great. Dude, did you hit that or what? Are you sneaky little biatch? Maybe you should switch to water next time. Super helpful. Don't be late to party tonight. Okay, bye. Bye. Tree, happy birthday. You scared me. Yeah. Look, I know this isn't going to make any sense. Stop global warming. I feel like I'm losing my mind. You sneaky little biash. Happy birthday. I've already lived through this day. Somebody's going to kill me tonight. So you can hear now. Assuming that I believe any of this is even possible. Sprinklers, car alarm. The way I see it, you have unlimited amount of lives. Unlimited opportunities to solve your own murder. So I'm supposed to keep dying until I figure out who my killer is? You want to live to see tomorrow, right? Whoever's killing you knows it's your birthday. Pretty much the entire school knows it. These are signs of major trauma. You should be dead. You relive the same day over and over again. Kind of start to see who you really are. just came out um, just a few years ago, and the first one, the summary per IMDb, goes, a college student must relive the day of her murder over and over again in a loop that will end only when she discovers her killer's identity. So you read that, you hear that, and you think, okay, I have an idea of what this movie is. I can picture it in my head. And then when you actually watch the movie, it's something else entirely. If any of you guys have seen the movie Groundhog Day, that's the best way to describe a movie like this. And not just in the premise of a day repeating itself over and over again, but this movie also takes a lot of other things that are really clever about Groundhog Day that you wouldn't expect in a horror movie. And I would be hesitant to call this movie even a horror movie because it's so much more than that. And it hence why it's on this list. I find when I saw this movie in theaters... I was at a point in my life where I was really struggling with who I am, as, as always, as I'm always struggling, and my own self-esteem. And I think I had a pretty low self-worth at that point. And I saw myself in, in a certain way that was pretty negative. And this movie is, is kind of about someone that is struggling so much with their own, the way they view themselves, really, and the main character, his name is Tree, and she's played by Jessica Roth, who gives, honestly, a star-making performance in this movie and the sequel, and she hasn't been in really much after these two movies, and it's it's a shame because she's fantastic in both of these. She's so charming, she's so funny, she's so likable, and also really empathetic and like shows just a lot of like depth in a movie you wouldn't expect. So, back to what I was saying, so... She definitely, I think, has, I think a lot of, as you'll see with a lot of people that I think don't really love themselves, there's a certain defense mechanism where they play it off with not only self-deprecating humor, but almost like an abrasive meanness. 
And I think that's one thing I really love about this movie is it, it, you, it takes a personality type and a person that we've all encountered in our lives and kind of shows you how they could be this way and how they, they maybe became that way, but also the capacity for all of us to become better and to become good people and to be kinder and, and more just better human beings to everyone around us. And it, it comes in such an unexpected way in, in a movie that I, I really was floored that I was feeling a lot of emotion from like that. This movie made me cry. And that that's a, an interesting thing in a horror movie. Like you don't, you don't go into a horror movie expecting that. And I think any movie where you kind of, any movie that talks about the ability for people to change and grow and to get better and I guess gives some hope in a world that especially right now is lacking a lot of hope will always be an easy recommendation from me. And so I found myself going back to not only this first movie, but the second movie, which the second movie, and I don't want to spoil it too much, but the second movie becomes a totally different genre than the first movie. The first movie is one thing and the second movie becomes something else entirely. And it's even more, I would say even more sweet than the first one. And it's heart is really in the right place. And they're just really, really sweet movies. And I can't recommend them, recommend them enough. Even if you don't like horror, I would recommend these movies. And they're both PG-13. There's not a lot of gore. They're pretty tame in regards to, you know, what you'd think of horror. So that's Happy Death Day 1 and Happy Death Day to you. The second movie I wanted to talk about is a movie called Spider-Man Into the spider What makes you different is what makes you Spider-Man. My name is Peter Parker. I'm pretty sure you know the rest. I saved the city, fell in love, then I saved the city again and again and again. Look, I'm a comic book, a serial, I did a Christmas album, and a so-so popsicle. But this isn't about me. Not anymore. Spider-Man. Swings in once a day, zip zaps up in his little mask and answers to no one. I love you, Miles. Yeah, I know, Dad. You gotta say I love you back. Dad, are you serious? I want to hear it. Look at this place. Dad, I love you. Dad, I love you. That's a copy. Ladies and gentlemen. My name is Miles Morales. I'm the one and only Spider-Man. At least that's what I thought. You ever hear of the Super Collider? You're gonna love this. Dimension opening now. You're like me. That's impossible. All right, kid, listen up. This fry is your universe. It's soggy, it's weird, it's gross. And this delicious normal fry is my universe. So you want to learn to be Spider-Man. Can you teach me? Yes, I can. Time to swing. Ah, Good, doing you're doing it. it. Double tap to release and whip it out again. Okay. Whip and release. You're a natural. Whip. Hey guys. Who are you? I'm Gwen Stacy. I'm from another another dimension. How many more spider people are there? Hey fellas. Hello. This could literally not get any weirder. It can get weirder. Okay. We need to get back to our universes soon. Brooklyn is gonna collapse. My family lives in Brooklyn. Whoa, 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 whoa. Miles, what's wrong? This was never your city. It's mine. If I don't destroy the collider, none of us will have a home to go home to. Remember, what makes you different... Let's go! ...is what makes you Spider-Man. Officer, I love you. <laughs> Wait, what? That way, that way. Other way, other way, other way, other way. Do animals talk in this dimension? Because I don't want to freak him out. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was my absolute favorite movie that came out the year that it was released, which was back in 2018. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is an interesting... It, what I kind of want to start with is the way that this movie was created. 
So when they set out to make this movie, they wanted to create an animation style that looked like a comic book. They wanted to do something different in with, I think with computer animation and the way that these movies have kind of fallen into a certain formula, a lot of these computer animated movies, they wanted to break free of that in some way and and kind of take off those shackles, so to speak. And they really did it successfully and quite astoundingly in this movie. This movie is completely gorgeous. And what they did is they actually had traditional computer animation. And then on top of that, they laced in hand-drawn animation. So it it really gives it a look that's unlike anything you'll ever see in in an animated film. They also did some interesting things that are quite technical that make the movie almost look in some ways like a 3D image. It's so, so incredibly inventive and smart and just just in that little nugget of that, that part of the movie. And then the movie goes on to be amazingly like moving and heartfelt and has... I think a lot to say about just who we are and and becoming I think the idea that we can we all can be a hero in our own way which maybe sounds like a cheesy premise but the movie executes it flawlessly and I want to talk about one scene in particular in this movie that whenever I picture this movie I I run back to and it's a scene kind of near the third act of the movie. Anyone that isn't familiar with the act structure in any film, every movie has three acts. And the third act is usually where we have like the deus ex machina or basically what resolves the conflict from the second act. So anyway, um, in this third act, the main character, Miles Morales, is kind of doubting himself in this moment and some things have happened that have really made him doubt himself as both a hero and just as a human being and as a you know a young kid and he is at that moment long story short he can't speak in this moment and his dad comes up to the door and has this conversation with him and instead of me just describing it to you, I'm just going to put it in right here. Miles. Uh, Miles is your dad. Please open the door. Miles, I can see your shadow moving around. Yeah, okay, I get it. I get it. It's still ignoring me. Look, can we talk for a minute? Something... Um, something happened. Look, sometimes people drift apart, Miles. Then I don't want that to happen to us, okay? Look, I know I don't always do what you need me to do or say what you need me to say, but I'm... I see this this spark in you. It's it's amazing. It's why I push you, but it's yours. Whatever you choose to do with it, you'll be great. Look, call me when you can, okay? I love you. You don't have to say it back, though. Now, what you guys can probably pick up from that scene is not only just the incredible voice acting by Brian Tyree Henry, Henry, who is the dad in that scene, who you hear, that's that's the only voice you hear in that scene, who's an amazing actor in his own right. You guys might know him from Atlanta or many other things. But I think there's just so much emotion in that scene and the conclusion of it, I, I don't know if there's been like a more emotionally resonant moment 
then kind of the culmination of that conversation and then what it leads to for Miles as a character. That moment where he leaps off that building and becomes the hero that basically the idea that we all that waiting around for you to be the person that you know you are nothing's going to happen and sometimes you just have to take a leap of faith and that can apply to many things in life right it's not just as a hero and i at that time when i saw this movie i it's hard to explain and i think it's still i'm I may not be doing justice to just how moved I was by it, but it tapped into something in myself and in my heart and my soul that I think what really did it for me is his dad is talking to him about, you know, you're the best of us, Miles. You're, you know, you're, you're on your way. And the idea that I think... There is something inherently wonderful wonderful about each and every one of us. We all doubt ourselves. We all don't believe that. We all disbelieve it. We, we tell others that can't be true. But the moment that you take that leap and you embrace your full self, that's when that amazingness that only you contain can truly shine and come out. So anyway, I... I find this movie spectacular and it's truly a wonderful comfort movie because it I, I dare you not to just feel just to be beaming after the movie. It's also I didn't really mention the movie's incredibly funny. Nicolas Cage is one of the characters in this movie. He plays a character called Noir Spider-Man and he is insanely funny in a very kind of sneaky way. And John Mulaney, who you guys might know, he's a pretty famous comedian plays a spider pig and it's as ridiculous as it sounds and it's fantastic the movie's so whimsical so fun it's absolutely astounding and i can't recommend it enough and that's spider-man into the spider-verse the next movie i wanted to talk about is a movie called book smart good morning winner take a deep breath Visualize the mountain of your success and look down at everyone who's ever doubted you. Fuck those losers. Fuck them in their stupid fucking faces. Hey. Oh shit. Woo. Are we gonna go to school or? Nope. What's two plus two? What? Nobody knows that we are fun. We didn't party because we wanted to focus on school and get into good colleges. And it worked. But the irresponsible people who partied also got into those colleges. I'm incredible at hand jobs, but I also got a 1560 on the SATs. We haven't done anything. We haven't broken any rules. Name one person whose life was so much better because they broke a couple of rules. Picasso. He broke art rules. Rosa Parks. Name another Susan one. Susan B. Anthony. God damn it. Hand sanitizer. Check. Chapstick. Check. Mace. Listen, it is very important that you keep the safety. Oh! Ah! The safety on! Don't touch your eyes! What the fuck is this? Re-ask the questions! Oh my god. But what can I say? Well, this seems excessive. Shotgun. Just kidding. I don't have one. Don't say we're having a date night. Why? It's funny your parents think we're boning. What you two have is special. We are going to show each other how much we care about each other. We'll probably just do a Korean face mask. I don't need to know all the words. And here's the plot synopsis for Booksmart. 
on the eve of their high school graduation to academic superstars, two best friends realized they should have worked less and played more. Determined not to fall for, fall short of their peers, the girls try to cram four years of fun into one night. And this movie was actually the first time the directorial debut of an actress you guys might know, Olivia Wilde. And the reason why I bring this movie up and the reason why I wanted to highlight it is I feel like it's kind of flown under the radar. I feel like not a lot of people talked about it when it came out. It wasn't really a big hit in theaters. I think it picked up a little bit more steam when it came out on, you know, streaming and and home video, so to speak, even though that term doesn't really apply anymore, but alas. And what I think I find so wonderful about this movie is the chemistry between the two leads, which they're absolutely fantastic. And they're both just such great actresses. And it's just the movie encapsulates, I think, so much about the high school experience. And I think there's just an inherent goodness. What's really interesting about this movie is is every every character that is shown on screen that's part of this high school wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily describe any of them as bad people. And maybe maybe you would say that's overly optimistic or naive, but it's an interesting idea to kind of put out that we're all living our own story and in our own story we're the good guy, right? We're the we're the we're doing all that we can to be the best version of ourselves. And I think that gets forgotten sometimes and I think what this movie also highlights is that we may think that we have, you know, that we're living our life the correct way, that we're doing everything exactly as it's meant to be done, and then come to find out that maybe, you know, others were doing things differently, but getting to the same result in a different way. And we may think that, you know, we because of the the route that we've taken, only we can get to this kind of ultimate destination. This is a roundabout way of describing this movie, and it's it's I'm probably failing at doing so, but it's just it's a super fun movie. It's it has a it heart its heart in the in the right place, and it's just it has a great soundtrack. There's some really really inventive inventive scenes in this movie, and some true kind of scene stealers that I don't want to spoil. That's book smart. It's a movie that I absolutely love and I wholeheartedly recommend. And the next movie that I wanted to talk about is the edge of 17. Hey, busy. I don't want to take up a ton of your time, but I'm going to kill myself. I just thought that an adult should know. Wow. Well, actually I was writing my own suicide note just now. I have 32 fleeting minutes of happiness during lunch, which has been eaten up again and again by the same especially badly dressed student. And I finally thought I would rather have the dark nothingness. There are two types of people in the world. The people who naturally excel at life. Golden boy, what's up? And the people who hope all those people die in a big explosion. Look at that stupid shirt my brother's wearing. When I was 13, it was clear which side of the equation I was on. But that's what best friends are for. Nick is like right there. God, Juby made him so hot. And I had Krista. Krista! Oh my god! My brother? Seriously? I can't help how I feel. You turn into a completely different person. Why don't you try being positive? Mom, I'm gonna write down the next thing you're gonna say. I'm not playing your little games, Nadine. Congratulations. You have all the answers, don't you? No. Which is why I wish I had a mother who would notice. When I was younger, so what did I do to make such a perfect kid, huh? Today, I never need you having a problem today, Nadine? Several. I don't really have any friends at the moment. Life isn't fair sometimes, Nadine, okay? You gotta get over it. Don't be awkward. Socialize. Life's about taking risks. Don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Won't you 
Nick, I like you. I want you to put your mouth on my tits. We can do it in the Petlands talk room. I can't send this. No, 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 no. Oh my God, no. Oh, isn't so bad. I just want to be with you. I want you to put your mouth on my tits. I want to feel you inside. Oh, God. We can do it in the Petland's darkroom. Oh my God, say something. Please help me. You need to watch out for run-on sentences. Help me. In keeping with kind of a teenage coming-of-age movie. I wanted to go from Booksmart to The Edge of Seventeen, kind of keeping that same genre. The Edge of Seventeen stars Haley Steinfeld, who you guys might know from the remake of True Grit by the Coen brothers. That was her breakout role. She was nominated for an Oscar for that role. And the plot synopsis for The Edge of Seventeen reads as follows. High school life, high school life gets even more unbearable for an 18-year-old when her best friend Krista starts dating her older brother. Now, when I think about this movie, I think about I think what all of us the frame of mind that all of us are in as teenagers. The idea that we believe that we are all it, it basically that our world is the only important one that that we i think there's something that not always but there's something inherently you're you're inherently a little selfish when you're a teenager you're still coming to to grips with who you are and what you want to be and the type of person you want to be and and you know what you want to give to the world and i'm not talking about career or anything like that but just what you want to to give as a human being and part of that that partly just makes you a little selfish and and that's okay and i haven't seen a coming of age movie and like a teenage comedy like this take that idea kind of head on i think i think a lot of these movies are afraid to portray the lead of the movie as a little bit unlikable and that i think is what's so brave about this movie is it it takes a main character that in a lot of ways, isn't super likable, but it's still funny and she's still relatable and you still feel for her through all of that. And Haley Steinfeld is fantastic. She's magnetic. She's charming. She's, she has it. She's just incredibly, incredibly enigmatic. And you know, that when I think about this movie, I think about the conclusion about this movie and kind of the realization of this character that she's been living in her own head, thinking one thing about everyone around her, thinking that she had it hardest. I think this is what really stuck with me, especially as someone that, that can sometimes get stuck in my own head and think, oh man, you know, all of these challenges that I'm carrying, all these difficulties that are going on in my life, no one else could ever relate to this because I have it hardest, I guess, in some ways. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, I think I'm not the only one that could say this. I think we all have a tendency to take our own problems and basically say that that we have it the worst of anyone else and no one could ever understand. And then in this kind of climax of the movie, that reality is kind of snatched away from her and kind of thrown back at her. Like, Hey, like what you're thinking of others, what you assume of others, the assumptions that you're making based on your own garbage in your own mind are all inherently false. And the, the kind of ideas that you jump to about, you know, the people in your life aren't true. And those people are trying, they're struggling just as much as you are. You just may not see it because you aren't them. And I think that's one thing that I come back to in this movie when I, I kind of need a refresher in that idea, that idea that, you know, we're all stuck so much in our own head 
that we forget that our struggles are not, I guess, the most important. That sounds really terrible, but I guess we're we're all guilty of of kind of I guess blowing up our own problems into something so huge that sometimes we need a reminder that others are struggling too and in a way that will really cut through to the core of us because we all hear that and we all kind of say oh yeah you know I care you know I I see others problems and I know others struggle and sometimes they struggle more than I but I don't always think that that actually cuts through to like the core of us and I don't think it it hits us as hard as we really need. So anyway, I find this movie really moving and really profound and, and affecting. And it's also just super funny and and really just very warm and super smartly written. Uh, there's a scene-stealing performance from Woody Harrelson in the movie. And also her best friend in the movie is played by an actress that I absolutely adore. That's fantastic in everything she's in. And her name's Haley Lou Richardson, who I think you guys will start to see in a lot more movies. She's in a movie, um, kind of a, you know, a teen, kind of a, almost like a teen weepy, like a, it's hard to describe. There's a a certain genre of movies where uh, young people are both sick and they fall in love. It's, It's become a weird little genre. And she's in one of those movies called... I think it's called Six Feet Apart. And um, it was a, a little bit of a like a sleeper hit. Anyway, I, I digress. That is The Edge of Seventeen, and I wholeheartedly recommend it. Go, go check that one out. The next movie I wanted to talk about is a movie called Sing Street. Your mother and I really are under a lot of pressure at the moment. We had a look at our accounts, and... We're taking you out of school. We're not taking you out of school. We're transferring you. You'll be new then. What's your name? Connor Lawler. Shut up! We have a black shoe policy here, Mr. Lawler. They're brown, they're quite sensible. They're not black. Who knows what this new prison will do for you? This is your time. You see, it's beautiful. How come you're not in school? I'm a model. Cool. Do you want to be in a video for my band? See, if you're in a band, sing me a song. Take on me. We need to form a band. What? Connor's going to band care. Oh, good Jesus. You'd play every instrument known to mankind. Probably. Show him. It's all about the girl, isn't it? What's this? All work. Have school in the morning. This is school. Rock and roll is a risk. You risk being ridiculed. Jesus, what are you all wearing? Yeah, we're just working that out. That's great fun. Yeah, that's really fun. Have you kissed her yet? She's got a boyfriend. Pulled off in his car, music blaring. What was he listening to? Genesis. No woman can truly love a man who listens to Phil Collins. So who guy with the car? It's complicated. As long as you're happy. You are truly on a hero's journey. Are you up to that? I think she's just an amazing human being. Big, big, Connor. End of term disco at the school hall. I say we ask if we can play her. It's our first gig. It's going to be amazing. I'll try and come. You have to come. Not exactly the Beatles, is it? it you guys might know the director of this movie who has directed movies like once which was a big oscar kind of front runner at the time it came out maybe almost 15 years ago i think if not maybe more and another movie called begin again which starred kira knightley Adam Levine, and Mark Ruffalo. And Sing Street is about a boy growing up in London during the 1980s. 
escaped his strained family life by starting a band to impress the mysterious girl he likes. And this movie, to start, has the best soundtrack. It is so great, and it's a soundtrack that I don't think enough people know about, so I'm really excited to kind of get you guys to to go check this movie out and to hopefully fall in love with some of the songs like I have and that I still listen to to this day, even you know several years after this movie has come out. I think it's over five years old now at this point. It's also a movie that's so hopeful and so just utterly optimistic and kind and and just giddy with its sheer just joy. I was reading a review on this movie when I was doing the research for all these just last week, and um, it was interesting. Someone someone described it in a way that I think really cuts to the core of what I take away from this movie, and they said, a relentless belief that things will be okay. And that's something that I think we're all looking for right now, especially in the light of the last month and the light of the last year. We all want to believe that things in the end will be okay. And that's a human thing, you know. We all want that. So, this is an incredible movie. It's it's the the last kind of five to ten minutes of the movie are truly heartbreaking and also soaring. Like, um, it's just, it, it lights your soul on fire. I couldn't sum up that movie better than what I did. So that's Sing Street. The next movie I wanted to talk about is one that a lot of you guys might know. And I wanted to focus on a lot of movies that you might not have seen, but this one I wanted to talk about because it is the true definition of a pure comfort movie. This is a movie, the ultimate movie to turn on when you're sick, especially when you're a kid. I feel like anyone that was born in the 80s or 90s or 2000s if your parents haven't shown you this movie then it's time for you to sit down and watch this movie the film starts with a little boy being read a story by his adoring grandpa that framing automatically makes it comforting sending you back to a time when someone would tell you tales of magical things far away there is something that's quite both quaint and I guess both magical and also just I don't even know just un I guess sappy in the best of ways I guess is is one way I would describe it also it's just I think there's very few movies that I think you could taken and and show to you know a five six seven eight year old or a 75 or 80 year old and they would both enjoy it in the same way and they will both find so much to love about it and the princess bride is one of those movies it holds up so well and what's really interesting is when the movie came out it was a big bomb it didn't do well and then on home video when it came out in vhs at the time it became a huge cult hit and continued to grow just by word of mouth. And that is how we I found this movie. And it was a movie that a lot of my, like a small circle of my friends would always talk about and quote. It's an instantly quotable movie. And, you know, they're one of the, the most iconic lines that me and my family quote all the time is a line that's, you know, Andre the Giant is in this movie and he is a poet and someone that is quite gifted with the, with rhymes. And he says, in retort to a comment, he says, well, what happens is, is someone says the, kind of the, the boss of Andre the Giant or Fezzik, as he's called in the movie, says, no more rhymes now, and I mean it. And he says back, anyone want a peanut? At Vicini, he can fuss. Fuss, fuss. Think you like to scream at us? Probably he means no harm. Mm. 
It's perfect, and I'm not doing it justice, but I had to I had to throw that in there because that was just too fun to quote a movie like this and a movie that's been such a huge part of my life growing up and I think a lot of others. So that's The Princess Bride. The next movie that I wanted to talk about, I wanted to throw in a classic, and that is Singing in the Rain. If you haven't seen Singing in the Rain, I'm guessing you probably have, but if you haven't, you need to go watch it right now. Singing in the Rain is pure and unadulterated movie magic. When I picture the movies, I picture one of the things that I what first comes to mind is singing in the rain and the scene where he is out in the rain dancing that immediately just paints an indelible picture of the magic and awe of movies and what they can achieve and I don't think this movie would be nearly as special if it wasn't for these amazing backlots that the movie was filmed on and also the songs are great the, everyone in that movie is, is on the, at the top of their game and the dancing is fantastic and also the, just the choreography there's um, a scene in the movie where two of the characters basically flip over a couch and if you guys ever want to like look up like a I guess how did, how did it get made about singing in the rain the story about that scene is really fascinating and it's it's just it's it's required viewing for any lovers of movies. It, it pitch perfect film, one of the absolute best movies of all time, bar none, and that's Singing in the Rain. And the last movies I wanted to talk about are two of I think my absolute favorite movies in the last twenty years. And there are two movies that you wouldn't expect, and I don't think they get enough credit, especially here in the States. And that is Paddington 1 and Paddington 2, or Paddington and Paddington 2. Mr. Gruber! Oh, what's this? Oh, <coughs> this is London. It's wonderful. Aunt Lucy always dreamed of coming to London. She saw this. It would be like she were finally here. Aunt Lucy! Oh, Paddington. This is perfect. I've had a brilliant idea. I'm going to get a job and buy that book for Aunt Lucy's birthday. Hello, window cleaner. Ow. Quite sure you're ready for the workplace, Paddington. It's Phoenix Buchanan, Dad's celebrity client. I suppose you know who I am. Oh yes, you're a very famous actor. VIP, celebrity, <laughs> or used to be. Now you do dog food commercials. <laughs> this pop-up book. Where on earth did you find it? Mr. Gruber's antique shop. There. But I'm not the thief. Mysterious things have been happening all over town. We're rich again. I may look like a hardened criminal, but I'm innocent. We're going to need a foolproof plan. If anyone can recognize a criminal, it's us. He's a master of disguise. Wow. This is breaking an entry. We haven't broken anything. Where do you think you're going there? Paddington wouldn't hesitate if any of us needed help. He looks for the good in all of us. Oh. Marmalade. Oh. 
a seat. Come on, Wolfie. Ow. Now, Paddington, you guys might know from a children's book, a little a bear, a Paddington the bear. And if you guys don't, he's a little stuffed bear that goes on adventures. So you think that one thing about this character, and you think you kind of know going in what these movies will be. But what I think makes these movies so special is I've never seen two movies that are as optimistic and kind as these two films. They're just, it's, for whatever reason, they've captured something that that is hard to even put into words that's just so, so wonderfully and amazingly kind and caring and loving. And they're just, they're like a warm, a warm chicken soup for, not only for your soul, but for your heart and your, just your mind. It, it just, it... Especially, I think, the second movie in particular is really the one that, that stands out to me. You need to see the first one, of course, and it's fantastic, and I wholeheartedly recommend it. But Paddington 2 is the true star of these two movies. And I wanted to read a quote from those movies, and a kind of the go-to line of the main character. And the, the line is, If we're kind and polite the world would be right, which is inherently really simple and maybe a little silly to some of you, but when broken down, and if you, if you just, I guess the idea that we're all a little too cynical is kind of what these two movies are almost playing on. And the idea that, that one person's good acts can really be a true ripple for everyone around them and that just one one amazing human being that's utterly selfless can shape and change everything and that's maybe for some too optimistic and and I think saccharine sweet but I I dare you to give these both these movies a chance because I think they they capture something in their innate kind of just their innate and true both I, I'm I'm running into kind of trouble trying to describe it not just innate and true kindness and goodness but I think just something about the human experience and and how we all really truly want to be good and kind and caring. And it's, it's interesting because too many movies and more than I think we'd realize are pretty pessimistic in their views of people. And we're always told that people are, are not great and that you shouldn't trust anyone and they're all awful and everything's all, everything's terrible and there's no hope and, I think it's an inherently human thing to think all those things. And I don't think it's inherently, I don't think it's particularly a bad thing either. But I think it's important sometimes to be reminded that amidst all of that, there truly is so much good and so many wonderful human beings that we're failing to see that make a huge impact on so many people in their life, so many people in their social circle and in their life. So I think also it, it kind of goes back to kind of something that I've taken to light with my recent kind of venture into YouTubing and the idea that I think we all need to be told these kind of two words and it's also, I, I think I've realized that I myself as a human being am inherently kind of cheesy. Like I'm, I'm, I would, I think, describe myself as a bit of a, 
almost like a cartoon character and my inherent kind of attempt to be so kind and loving to others that it comes across as, I'm sure, fake or insincere. But the intentions behind everything that I do are that I believe that we all have the ability to bring others up through accepting them at their level of whatever level they're at. And the idea that just saying you matter, which maybe is a silly concept, but just telling everyone around you and reminding them that they truly matter is so important. And so when I go back to Paddington, and maybe this is a little bit of ego, but I think this is how I have tried to live my life since I was a little boy. I've tried to live my life by putting as much good out into the world as I possibly can, hoping that that ripple effect will make this world slightly better. And that's maybe naive, but I think it's a good goal to have. And I think that's going to be where we're going to end this off. I just want you guys to know that I know this last year has been so... The words fail of describing how difficult it's been. The immense amount of loss that we've all experienced. The pain that's been laced in every moment. The inability that I think we've all had to mourn 300,000 plus people because of where we are as a country, because of where I think the, the, I, the kind of capitalistic society as it stands right now that basically we have no ability to slow down, we must always continue and produce and produce and produce and continue to, you know, that, that, that those gears never can stop moving, I think has done us a disservice in being able to stop and reflect. I think what I wanted to leave with, leave you guys with though, and the reason why I kind of closed with Paddington is through all of that utter awfulness, I still have a little glimmer of hope that shines through all of that. And it's because honestly, and this sounds really cheesy, it's because of each and every one of you guys. It's because I see so much good in all the people around me that maybe goes unnoticed or unseen because of the utter awfulness that's surrounding us as well. But acknowledging that how, how much good I see in each and every one of you, I hope that you guys will in turn take the time to acknowledge that in all of those around you as well. I just want you guys to know that whether it's five people, ten people, or hundreds of people, or thousands maybe that are listening to this, I want you guys to know that I myself love you, and that you are goddamn important. And don't ever forget that. hope you guys have a great rest of your week. I hope you guys have something that happens that makes you truly happy. I I hope you guys do something for yourself that brings you calm and comfort, whatever that is. Take that time and do that for yourself. And don't feel guilty about it. We all need that. And until next week, I'll see you guys later. Bye-bye.